Welcome, everybody, to the Be More Bookish podcast. This podcast features chats with all manner of bookish people, from book creators, readers, educators, publishers, and more. Settle in for a good old-fashioned chinwag. About books, of course. So come on, why not be more bookish? Why not, hey? Hello, I'm Adrian Beck, an author and also the so-called brains behind BeMoreBookish.com, an independent online bookshop that celebrates all creators, but particularly Australian creators. This is the very first episode, and so we have our first book of the month to celebrate. And this one is a terrific way to start. We're talking all about Teacher Teacher. This is an anthology featuring stories of inspirational educators. Contributors include Tony Birch, Rick Morton, Jacqueline Harvey, Gabrielle Tozer, Joe Visser, and many, many more, including one of today's guests. Speaking of which, we have two guests lined up today. The editor of the collection, Megan Daly, who, amongst many other things, is an award-winning teacher librarian, best-selling author, and co-host of the Your Kids Next Read podcast. Plus, we have one of the book's contributors, another fantastic, much-loved teacher librarian, Michelle Nye, who is the president of the Young Australian Best Book Awards, or Yabba, and she has long been a huge supporter of Australian literature on all levels. Now, don't forget to listen to the end of the episode for the secret code word that gives you a 20% discount on Teacher Teacher when you buy it from Be More Bookish. Today's ep was recorded on Wurundjeri land, and I hope you enjoy the chat. Megan and Michelle, so lovely to have you joining me today. Lovely to be with you. It's yeah. awesome. Congratulations on the new book, Teacher, Teacher, Stories of Inspirational Educators, and you two are certainly that. So uh, it's very exciting to have this out on the shelf. It must feel amazing, editor Megan Daly, to have this book out there. It really does. And it's been, um, you know, it's been a fairly quick process, but a firm press have done such a great job with it. It's been felt very seamless. But what I find really interesting is the amount of people who have seen this book out in the wild. I still haven't seen it in a bookstore, book but my partner was at Sydney Airport yesterday and it was in the airport bookshop. So I feel like I've really, really made it when I've made it into an airport bookshop and a department store. I feel like I've really made it now. It's official. She's made it, everyone. She's in the <laughs> airport bookshop. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's uh, and, uh, if the first time you see someone reading it on the beach, that'll be another box. Oh, to my gosh. As well. Yes. I can't wait for that. <laughs> Congratulations to you as well. Obviously, Michelle Nye, this is correct me if I'm wrong, apart from the uh, the poem that you mentioned in your contribution. Is this your <laughs> debut um, it is. It is. It is your daily writing. It is my very first little bit of story writing that I decided to put out into the wild. And someone said to me from the Duck Pond that I'm a member of, if you don't submit manuscripts, you'll never, never know. And I just didn't think I had it in me. I'm the, I'm the teacher librarian at my school and, you know, um, my identity with Yabber and my memberships with CBCA and all those kind of literary groups and things that I love and adore I just didn't think that my little story would get picked up and selected and I feel so proud of um the the book Megan all the stories they're just such an array of stories they're just beautiful beautiful words yeah, you should absolutely feel proud. It's a huge achievement and it's a wonderful book. Megan, perhaps for those that haven't had a chance to pick it up, could you tell us a little bit more about Teacher Teacher? 
Yeah, so it's um, a collection of stories about teaching and it spans from the early childhood years into the primary school playground and then into um, young adult territory, teaching teenagers in high schools and right up into the academic setting. And I and it also has a story of off-site programs for youth at risk. I've tried to span as many areas of education as I could. Um, we got around 100, just over 100 submissions for the book. And it was really interesting. I tried to get a great diversity of stories in there. I could have put double the amount of stories in there, um, which which are, but, you know, maybe volume two. But it's really very much looking at the diversity of um, education and of teaching. And it's, I hope, a kind of a warm hug to teachers, but also a bit of a reality check for maybe the parents and caregivers that read the book, pick up the book, because teaching is one of those professions which is a little bit misunderstood. Um, sometimes people don't necessarily know the ins and outs of teaching, and I guess it's a bit of a peek behind the veil of what teachers do for our young people and, you know, the high esteem in which we should hold them. So I hope that it's nurturing and inspiring for current educators, and I hope that it's a peek into the world of teachers for non-teachers. Fantastic. So who would you like to see pick up this book and read this book? Obviously, teachers will love it. Obviously, but... teachers, but I say in my introduction that I would really like to be able to gift teachers the time to be able to read it because yeah. the reality is for a lot of teachers, they only read a book on the Christmas holidays because they are just so flat out um, through the term and on their school holidays. So, you know, I would love, um, I hope that many teachers will read this book and take the time to read it. I think the nice thing about an anthology is you can dip it in and out of an anthology as you please. So it's the sort of book that I hope you might have on a coffee table or in a staff room and that you could pick it up and read little snippets of it. I also really hope that parents and caregivers read this book. I hope that school leaders read this book and also that um, people in and around education, so different groups and organisations which uh, connect with teachers and connect with education, I hope that they read it because for me, we need to be looking very carefully at stories like those that are in Teacher Teacher to fully understand the teaching profession. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I like how I've heard you talk about it not being so much as a profession, as a vocation. Yes. And why, why do you see it yeah. like that? Maybe Megan and then I'll get Michelle's take as well. Yeah, because a profession is something that you are paid to do and a vocation is something that, you know, is sort of every single part of you. I, I've been you know off scrounging um parklets and scones this morning because I <laughs> have to take some year threes into the rainforest this afternoon because my particular area of passion is sustainability and nature as well as libraries and so you know you know every a lot of who I am is a teacher and a lot of my spare time is spent thinking about my students it's spent preparing stuff for my students it's spent thinking about you know brain science around reading and and education in general a profession is something you can walk away from um but I think a vocation is every part of who you are absolutely, absolutely agree and Michelle, I, I, I'm glad you agree uh, given the <laughs> fact that you're not only a teacher you're a teacher librarian and also you head up Yabba, the uh, Kids' Choice Awards of, of books right around the country. Clearly, it's a vocation for you as well. Yeah, an absolute passion, Adrian. I like to call it a calling. Um, you don't, it's like a vocation. And on top of that, there is a calling from within because it's every fibre of your being. Um, I think uh, that's how to think for me, how I just fell in love with 
Mrs. McIntosh, my grade two teacher. I mean, I, to the point where I've still, I kept my little exercise book <laughs> and, you know, I was striving to get the gold star. I wanted to impress my teacher so much. And that to me, I like, she was like my mum for that year. And you have such a connection with when you've got some teacher who really sees it as their calling and their passion area and they are living and dreaming and everything that they're living and walking and doing is for you and you can feel that as a child and I can feel that now as an adult teacher when I see other teachers teach Mm. and um yeah I think that's just I've just been really fortunate to have amazing teachers that I could connect with and the opportunity too when um when you did the call out Megan for the stories I happened to be cleaning out um my dad's partner's memorabilia she passed away several years ago and um, I found like her old classroom photos well Lo and behold, mm. I realised then that she was my mentor when I was a graduate teacher. At, no. I, yes. <laughs> and and hadn't put two and two yeah. together until I've gone, oh, that was Mrs, you know, Wallace. Oh, mm. my goodness. And then, you know, Mrs McIntosh and I reconnected um, up here in Noosa, um, just did a call out on my Leopold Primary School um, reunion group, and we were able to connect. And we still had that relationship a deep connection to the greater learning in life and it was it's it's as though some of these great teachers like I was blessed to have uh, Mark Smith um author of the road to I Impact, know <laughs> as my English teacher and you know he um, embedded in me a, a love I, I, I you know I wasn't a great story writer but he could see that I had a verse novel poetry style that I was more successful in and he nurtured that in me so it's those kinds of teachers that have a lifelong memory with you Mm -hmm. and I think you take that into well I know I certainly have taken this into my teaching career um, and I do call my career a calling because I I live dream eat sleep books Mm. um yeah yeah. It's just a real passionate area of mine and I'm blessed to be able to do what I do. Yeah. I think we're blessed to have so many great people go into the into the role of teaching. Uh, I mean, it's really that that word that you used before, nurturing. It really is a nurturing mm. uh, a role like that. And I can remember when my daughters were both in lockdown and we had uh, all these terrible um, virtual lessons, not terrible because of what the teachers were doing, but terrible because of the circumstances. Yeah. And you could just feel that the teachers just wanted to virtually take the kids under their arm and give them a big hug. And my daughter ended up signing off every one of her lessons with, I love you, Vicky, bye. And it was just so, it was, it was just so heartwarming. And yeah. teachers just, just play such a valuable role in, in family life, particularly now more than ever, when mm. everyone's so busy, you know, we rely on teachers more than we ever have. We do. And I think that's, you really hit the nail on the head. They are, they do become part of family life. You know, we've just had I mean, an interview just this morning with about our, our youngest son. And, you know, we feel like his teachers are this year are a part of our family because sometimes we have to, you know, call in the big guns and say, Mrs. Bryant will be disappointed. Um, but, you know, they do become very much a part of your family life. And I think, you know, good teachers are just worth their weight in gold. Absolutely. Totally. 
And yeah. speaking of family, I kind of feel like sometimes teaching is a bit of like the family business. Yes. Because, um, <laughs> and I know with myself, my grandfather was a teacher, my mum was a teacher, my brother's a teacher. And if it wasn't for a sliding doors moment, I was enrolled to be a primary school teacher. Uh, you'd be a great primary school teacher. I, <laughs> it's not you. too late, Adrian. We need good <laughs> teachers out there. Well, I was actually, I was a week away from starting the course at Melbourne Uni and I got the call to uh, to take up a creative uh, production role at uh, at Channel 9 and I had to I had to make the decision. Mm. I went one direction. I could have easily gone in the other direction. But <laughs> it's sort of like a, do you think it's sort of passed down through families? Have you Have you found that, Megan? The biggest fight I had with my mother was when I announced announced that I was going to do an early childhood teaching degree. She said, you don't even like children and I'm a teacher and I don't want you to be a teacher because, you know, it is one of those things we, we know as my mum knew how hard she worked as a teacher and she just didn't necessarily want that for me and what I'm finding really scary is one of my daughters at the moment is and she's only in grade six but all she's ever said she wants to be is a teacher and I was just recounting this to my mother the other day and she said I see an argument coming up in your future because <laughs> it is you know as much as I adore what I do it's completely exhausting you can probably hear in my voice I'm still you know I've had laryngitis for weeks now because I just can't get a break from talking and teaching and yeah it is but both of my my mum is a teacher librarian my dad is an academic I come from a family of teachers and I can see that particularly for one of my daughters it probably will be her calling as you say Michelle but a little part of me is like as much as I want you to carry on that tradition gosh it's a hard gig and you know you worry for, for I worry for my own daughter if she wants mm. to go into education mm. in its current state. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I, look, I've come from an era too. There was a little moment in my story, I've got my pin that I've kept, the, the funny things you keep. Um, my year 10 careers coach was trying to change the way people were thinking about females going into tertiary institutions. And basically in year 10, I think I had the choices of uh, business school, if I didn't want to do v, uh, VC, HSC, um, education going into teaching, or really that was all the pathways that I, they would consider. And I went to a careers expo and, you know, got given the badge, girls can do anything. And with my mum there showing me all these different career pathways to, you know, just change it. And, and I'm very fortunate to be part of that. But yet I've chosen um, a family career. My mum is a teacher. Mm. Um, she was a special ed teacher and passionate, a passionate special ed teacher. Uh, used, I think she was in the School of the Deaf as well for a period of time and just about access um, for all, about, yeah, her thing was really about access for all. And I sort of feel like I've got the same thing because I'm doing that but through books and making sure that I've got information and That's the right accessible. books in the right, yeah, mm -hmm. for the right time for that right family member. But I too um, have um, um, all my uncles are teachers, um, Uncle Dick has passed away now, but he was doing some research with Drum Keen um, in Victoria in the literary area. So I just have all these little um, nods to different mm. special family members in my chain of, well, yeah, lineage, what's the word? Um, yeah, yeah lineage. just in my family. Yeah. Mm. 
Absolutely. I love that. And I, I've got vivid memories of mum. She would always get us to help cut cut out sort of cardboard <laughs> animals and things of a night. Absolutely. <laughs> and this I was had before. my 15-year-old weeding cricket things for book week the other night. And uh, times have changed, but I used to just be paid in stickers. She wanted a Sephora voucher. I was like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, you know, she's trying it on. I, I've yeah. got to appreciate that. <laughs> now, Megan, can I ask you a little bit about the process of, of being the editor. Yeah. Uh, have, uh, have you done much editing before? How did you do it? How did uh, look, you run together? And and how'd uh, you choose? It's been an amazing process. So a firm pitched the idea to me and I was, um, I don't you know, know if your listeners know a little bit about my life, but I have a little bit too much on and this small issue of four children. Um, and I, um, and I work you know, I work full time, I work long hours, but I couldn't say no to it. And the process, as I said, was really seamless with Affirm Press. What um we put a call out on my social media, on the Affirm Press social media. I put call outs in as many list serves and things as I could think of, got in all the submissions. I took the names off the submissions because I wanted to read them anonymously because I knew mm -hmm. a lot of my colleagues and author friends would um, submit. I tapped quite a lot of people on the shoulder and said, please write <laughs> something. Thing, but I wanted to read them anonymously and then it was a really quite difficult process the beekeeper as my partner is affectionately known on social media sent me away for a weekend to um edit them to to read them all like in one big hit so that I could then just have the time without four children around to also lay them all out on the ground I had to read them in paper printout I'm so old school I couldn't read them on a screen and I wanted to physically put them into piles of early childhood, primary, secondary, tertiary, off-site programs, alternate pro schooling approaches, because I wanted to make sure I had this really nice mix. So I then sort of, you know, mushed it all back together and I, I still had about 50 and I'm like, oh gosh, I've got to get this down to about 25. And so then it was a bit of going backwards and forwards with the firm press and we looked at, you know, which ones fitted and, and which ones were, were fabulous, but we just couldn't fit in the mix. It was a, I found it, um, a laborious process. It was a huge honour, um, but I found it upsetting in some respects mm. because there's pieces that I would have loved to include that I couldn't. But, you know, I'm really happy with what we've got in the end. I think, you know, I was so grateful for the guidance that a firm press gave me. They were fantastic to work with. And it's something I'd love to do again because I feel like I've got such a, you know, I just, I learned skills I didn't know. I, I could hone. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I can see a volume two. We've already mentioned volume two earlier. I reckon that's, that is definitely on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, how did it feel when you found out that you were a part of it? Can you talk us through that? Yeah. Well, my journey, I think, might have been um, a little bit different because I had, I'd, re I'd seen the call out, but I was at a point uh, where I was on leave in term four last year and um, undergoing active treatment. So I just didn't feel like I had the capacity to write something. And then I got the, to the end of um, active treatment in January, about a week before the cutoff date. And that's when I just thought, you know what, if I don't give it a shot, I'll never know. And that's when I submitted it and sort of forgot about it and just thought, okay, whatever happens, happens. And then I got the lovely um, email to say, sorry, didn't get in and um, you're out. So I'd already told my principal at this point that I'm in and I'm super excited. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, my little story's been accepted by a firm press. And then literally like three days later, I had the email to say, oh, sorry, no, you're out. We'll send you some <laughs> books. 
And then I got an email <laughs> a week later to say, oh, actually, we've got some edits for you to do. So it was like um, that whole journey of, of yeah. up and down emotionally, it was just um, surreal. Mm. So in the end, I didn't actually tell anyone about it because I didn't, being a first time person going through this experience, I thought, wow, that at any point I could be axed. And I think <laughs> the timeline was like August or something. So yeah. I sort of thought, oh, it's just too busy. I've got book week. I don't need to deal with the emotional drain and strain of being on a high, absolute high, opening a bottle of champagne. <laughs> and then the very next day, you know, getting reading the email and going, oh, anyway physically emotionally crying that I'm I've I've been cut so you know I'm gonna have to toughen up there <laughs> it's a tricky thing isn't it and Adrian you'd know this in the industry it is author. Thing. author life you know, it is mm. author life it's mm. really tricky and I wish I could say to all the people that didn't make it like hopefully some of them are listening to this mm. I wish I could say to those people please don't give up just because you didn't make it or you were cut it doesn't at you know a later stage your piece was still worthy. So uh, honestly, I could have put 90% of the pieces in, mm. but it is author life, isn't it, Adrian? And it's one of those really tricky things. Yeah, sometimes you can get to the point where you've got a contract, you've written the story, it's yeah. all ready to go, and then it still doesn't come out. It can be cancelled. I don't believe it's actually out until I see it on the shelf. No, <laughs> that's the attitude I had too, Adrian. That was how I was in the end. <laughs> and it wasn't until I actually opened my little pack at home and went... Feel it's actually happened, and that was yeah, literally my response. And um, I'm now in the process of organising uh, through Leopold Primary School a bit of a, um, I think you called them a soft Zoom launch. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to connecting with a whole lot of teachers from the uh, Leopold Primary School days that they were actually really close friends. And because back then, you know, we're talking late seventies, um, they as young graduate teachers were all put into regional Victoria, uh, regional Victorian town. So their actual connection and friendship group was actually very, very, very strong. They were a very connected group of teachers. So I think I was really fortunate that I'm now able to give back to those teachers who gave so much to me and all my classmates. So, mm. yeah, but that emotional roller coaster, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to hold on tight. Um, well, yes. we, we heard a little bit, Michelle, earlier about uh, some of the teachers that were inspirational for you. What about uh, Megan Daly? Now, to turn, to turn Megan Daly into the amazing teacher librarian she is today, these people must have been pretty special, Megan. <laughs> Yeah, look, I, in the introduction, write about three teachers that were instrumental in my life. Five, really. My parents, um, who I've spoken about previously, definitely. Um, so five, really. Particularly my mother. I spent most of my school holidays playing teacher librarians in her library, not being paid in expensive makeup vouchers, might I add, to my 15-year-old. Um, but I also had my kindergarten teacher who recognised very early on that I was a creative. She um, was amazing, Mrs Lamb at Yoronga Hyde Road Kindy. And then in high school I had an um, English and a drama teacher, Mr Chris Chapman, who was just, he just turned on something inside me about words. I just... Um, and, and about writing. And I never considered myself a writer um, at all. In fact, 
halfway through writing my book, Raising Readers, I was still saying to my editor at the time, Christina Schulz, I just don't think I'm a writer. And she's like, dude, you are writing a book. You've got a contract. It's coming out. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So I've always really struggled with that um, wearing the author hat, but, you know, certainly Mr. Chapman um, did inspire a love of, of reading and of words. But my most inspirational teacher was actually my agriculture teacher, which is hilarious because I and my mother thought I would go into some kind of agriculture or biology because that was my biggest passion at school. Um, it's funny that I am now partnered with a beekeeper because I yes. kind of segued back into agriculture and my next book is about bees and beekeeping. But um, my agriculture teacher, Mr. Janke, was amazing. 30 years ago, I was one of his people of the rainforest and I worked in our school rainforest. And I've just, um, I'm now working at the school that I went to 30 years ago. And I've just nicely stalked Mr. Janky. I turned up at church. I've um, <laughs> tracked him down and he's coming in to visit tomorrow, actually. He's coming oh, wow. to see the rainforest that he set up in um, the early or late to mid-60s here yeah. at St. Peter's in Intrapilly. And um, I'm going to meet with him then and I'm going to give him a copy of Teacher Teacher um, yeah. because he was... I'm sure he's still gruff. He's late 80s now. I'm sure he's still gruff and scary, but I can't wait to see him. That is fantastic. What a terrific story. It's so nice that you're all gifting this this wonderful yeah. book to past <laughs> teachers and colleagues yeah. and things like that. That's, that's just that's just lovely. Now, um, before I let you go, I just wanted to uh, briefly touch on the fact that sometimes in some places around the country, teacher librarians, they're starting to become a bit of a, um, they're an endangered species, they are. better say. Um, and I reckon if you talk, it's certainly I would I would agree. But if you talk to any creators and authors, and even even just uh, readers, people that love to read, I reckon it's the teacher librarian that really got them into it in the first place. So, Absolutely. what can be done? What do we do? What, how do uh, we how do look, we address it's a, this? It's a, it's a huge thing situation. It really is. I was at a birthday party with one of my sons on the weekend, and a parent. Um, got quite teary. She recognised that I had been the teacher librarian um, for her daughter when she was quite young. And she said, you provided a safe haven mm. when my daughter needed a safe haven and her, her daughter's now um, finished school. And she she lost contact with me, but she'd always wanted to say, you provided a place of safety for my daughter mm. and a place where she just felt so at home and libraries are still so important to her. Um, and I said to this mum, you know, that's so great to hear. And also what you can do about that is, you know, just be involved in, um, in you know, now your son's school library and making sure that you are advocating for it. Because I feel like I've been advocating for my own job for 25 years now. And I'm, I'm tired um, of having to justify my job, but we need parents and caregivers and, and school staff to stand up and tell everybody, particularly school management and governments, why libraries are important and yep. why literature is important and why recreational reading is important. Part of the problem is that you can't, it's very hard to collect data on the worth of a school library and a teacher librarian, but, you know, we... There are people like Dr. Mel Green who are collecting data around the power of recreational reading and Margaret Merger. Um, it's, you know, it's something I could stand on a soapbox and talk about all day. I find it upsetting and I am I am tired and I, I feel like I've just won Australian Teach Librarian of the Year and yet I, I still 
have to justify my position all of the time. And I, I just, I do, I feel a bit tired. Mm. And I understand that. I mean, you, you just won this amazing award and you have mm. to justify your position. It, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't compute. It just doesn't mm. compute. Mm. Michelle, have you got anything to add on that? Yeah, I've been really fortunate. I've had um, really great leaders at Hillcrest Christian College when I had my time there at my previous school. Now I'm here in Nooseville at Good Shepherd Lutheran. And whenever I have had parents at any of the schools I've ever taught at um, give me affirmations about a program or book recommendations that were spot on or just like yesterday we had our book week um, artwork poster competition and I just said we can't have one winner we need to have five honors as well like CBCA they have oh <laughs> ah, you're so like me <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just said the mum just said oh this, you've been a breath of fresh air at the school we're just loving what you're doing um you know how can we get how, how can we let you know let you know that we're wanting to partner with you and we'll help you with book parade and um we're loving all your ideas and I said just just let the school leadership know yeah, that's let what the I always leadership say, know. Michelle. Yeah. And as you know, when your leaders are seeing, mm. like I stand up at assemblies, I'm never going to be the kind of personality that sits at the back of an assembly and goes, Oh, book week. I'm nope. out there going every week. <laughs> and now Mrs. Walter like, and I have got our costume a day ready. Oh, you too. I costume a day. We've yeah. got a costume every day too. Yeah. Oh my god. And goodness. when parents and, and kids see that, and I, like I have after uh, I've I, we do quite a lot of events. I do quite a lot of events. I won't just say we. All my schools that I've worked in, I love events. You know, Adrian, I love theming the food to the events. I oh, loved, me too. Oh, the best thing. And that's what gets the kids in too because they're mm. meeting the author. Mm. They're connecting with the books through the food. You're reading little, you know, passages about why we're having meatballs from Derek Dool's books and, <laughs> you know, you're connecting with all those things as well. And um, the kids have that personal relationship. They take that home to their family and are going raving about mum and dad. I want to get me, oh, like I've just had Tristan Banks here at the school. I can't get enough copies of Scar Town. I've never bought five copies of every book that an author's made. I've usually <laughs> stopped it myself at three. Um, you know, I've had to extend that because of the passion that they've seen me have by hosting and then they've seen me gushing about the story um, and, you know, when you see it, Tristan Banks's videos and in, um, inspiration of the actual uh, Scar Town story, it's just like a no-brainer. The kids just grab the book off the shelf and it's just walking out the door. So it's those kind of things that when you're seen and you're being proactive, it's contagious. Mm, and absolutely. as long as parents are also feeding that back to leadership, um, I don't think you'll ever go wrong. Mm, absolutely that's a great advice um and as it says in the books in the book uh readers make better leaders and i think that's very true and i'm glad and that I there's got a book that out from there. one of the last conferences that was run in melbourne um the readings used to do the the uh ya beautiful conference i only went to a couple of them and um yeah that was their t-shirt and it's one of the t-shirts that i wear all the time mm. uh if i've got to do something like uh, you know special shirts for assemblies and themed things but readers make better leaders is certainly a catchphrase that i use mm. a lot absolutely that's a good tip okay so uh anyone who wants to help support teacher librarians make a bit of a noise with the senior management at the schools and just tell them how important they are to you and your children. Uh, I certainly will be doing the same thing because it's a, it's a practical little uh, tip that you can use and hopefully that makes a difference. Okay, so speaking of make a difference, uh, the book's all about inspirational teachers. 
And so I thought I'd ask you a bit of a question here about uh, about your favourite educators or teachers in literature. Uh, I can see Megan's having a bit of a think, so I might have to go to Michelle first and give you some thinking time, Megan. <laughs> well, I really, really love any book that depicts a library in it. And mm. lately I have been, any time that there is a library mentioned, um, they're, they're the things that I'm picking up in stories. So there are so many mentions of libraries. But one of the books that I really loved, actually, Megan, and you're in it, is um, Lucy's book. Dang, I was going to take that one. Right, oh, sorry, I've got another one. <laughs> oh, okay. And and really, look, uh, any book that has a beautiful, like the Harry Potter series, mm. those bookshelves in those rooms. Mm. Like, and even think about um, all the, I'm just thinking of the, the Disney books, which I... Don't like having Disney books under the letter D for the picture stories. They're not really a great <laughs> read, but we've got them. We all do. But, you know, you think about um, Beauty and the Beast and the ballroom bookshelf. Mm. I mean, who mm. doesn't love that kind of nostalgia? And that just just brings back trips to Europe and going to Shakespeare and co. So whenever there's a mention of a library in a book, um, that gets a little sticky note on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, Lucy's the, book. What was Lucy's book that you Okay, mentioned? so the reason I was pondering um and, and, and thinking is I had too many to mention. So Me that was fantastic, Michelle. Lucy's book is by Natalie Jane Pryor and Cheryl Orsini, and it's about the power of libraries and the power of one special book. And I'm the image of the librarian. So the librarian oh. has pink hair and is wearing <laughs> all of the dresses that I wear on Instagram. So the Cheryl Cheryl Orsini, the illustrator, um, stalked me very kindly on Instagram. And I love it. Um, and I there was also wallpaper made of um, some of the characters in the book. And so I wallpapered one wall of my um, 15, now 15-year-old daughter's bedroom with just me. It was great. I like it. Um, but I love was that. So, I'm so excited about it. I have a handbag with myself on it as well. It's great. Um, so that was great. You mentioned Lucy's book. I'm going to give a shout-out to Miss Honey. Because oh, I thought I, it was going to be Miss oh, Honey. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I dressed up back in the day when I was much younger younger and looked more like Miss Honey. I would often dress up as Miss Honey for book week because I just think she embodies that kindness and warmth um, yeah. and nurturing that I think, you know, we as teachers do we, almost without thinking. It is just like back to that vocation calling. It is who we often are. And I think that if we approach students with warmth and with kindness and with a sense of nurturing, then you'll never go wrong. Absolutely. They'll Absolutely. always feel connected through your kindness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, love that. Love that. And also a special shout out to Tim Harris's Mr. Bambuckle as well. Oh, he's my gosh. A, oh, yes, yeah. yes. He's like the Willy oh. Wonka of teachers, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Both <laughs> of my daughters absolutely adore those books and yeah. have seen Tim Harris several times. And I'm just waiting. I've been putting off actually giving them to the boys to read because I want them to read them at the right age. You know how you just need to read a book at exactly the right age and I just want them to get all of the humour in them. So I love Mr. Bambunkle as well. Fantastic. Well, congratulations once again to Megan Daly, the editor, and Michelle Nye, the fabulous contributor, amongst many, we should say, uh, of Teacher Teacher, Stories of Inspirational Educators. Uh, it's a fantastic new publication and we hope everyone picks it up and has a good read. Thank you so much, Adrian, and a big shout out for all that you do as well. I think what you do is amazing and, um, yeah, we appreciate your work as well. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Megan, for choosing a little story that I wrote and um, it made my, it's made my year. Yeah, Great. It's a real honour. Thank you.
Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Bye. Happy reading. A huge thanks to Megan and Michelle for joining me. And if you'd like your own copy of Teacher Teacher, it's available now at bemorebookish.com. And you can get a 20% discount with the code word APPLE. Because all teachers appreciate a shiny red apple from the students, right? Never seemed to work for me, though. Thanks for listening. And remember, we could all always be more bookish. Bookish.